and welcome to the No Name MMA Show. Welcome back to the best damn MMA podcast you've never heard of, the No Name MMA Show. Thank you for joining me, Motivate Andy, on this Wednesday, September 21st. Joined by a special guest co-host. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Caroline Marshall-Mont. Happy to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. So before we get into UFC Vegas 60 and all the cuts and gnarly fucking blood and awesomeness, um, before we get into all that, why don't we start with what happened this weekend? What did you end up doing this past weekend? Have a chill. So, oh no. So we're getting ready to move. Oh, um, fuck. 1,500 miles away. Yes. Oh, shit. So... On Saturday, I packed packed some more because yeah. we live, you know, we are trying to get rid of as much as possible and determine what to keep and pack it up so that it's ready to load into the truck. So I did that. And on Sunday, we went to church and then I packed more. And that that's my life right now. It's working, sleeping, uh, packing. That's insane. How was your weekend, though? We just got a house. And we're moving yeah. this Saturday. It's only 15 minutes away. It's not It's not your deal. But we haven't packed at all. We haven't packed oh a damn thing. We've just been working so hard that it's just like one thing or another. Like she's currently in a meeting right now. And she's going to be in a meeting for another like two hours. Because like with wedding planning, the way that they set it up, there's so many meetings that it's like four oh. hour, six hour chunks. Cause they're trying to, cause you have so many moving parts and so many different people that have to show up for certain things that it's oh, a yeah. lot to coordinate. So you can't have like a ton of little 30 minute meetings. You have to like yeah. cut out a whole chunk. So oh my yeah, but I'm mm- having PTSD from <laughs> our wedding. <laughs> I'm having PTSD for everybody's weddings. Like, oh my God. But yeah, so we haven't packed at all. So that's awesome. Uh, But luckily, like we're in a small apartment and we're going to be moving to like an actual house and it's a one bedroom and it's not that crazy. So it's, and we're going to have friends that are going to help us out. So it's not going to be the craziest thing. Juan's very strong and Juan just moved actually. So he just moved like... He just moved about like five minutes away from us, and then we just moved really? fifteen minutes away. So he's just like, oh, wow. what, "What was the whole point?" But he was also <laughs> thinking that it was going to be like an hour drive between us. And well, there's special news. We'll talk about it later. But anyway, yeah, he ends up being close to us, but not that far away. We just end up being like saying, "Like fuck you, <laughs> we're going to move away from you." <laughs> Um, anything else you did this past weekend besides moving? No, honestly, just woke up super early on Saturday to watch the car. <laughs> um, did you hear about oh, wait, Adam Levine? Oh, yeah. Did it start at one or nine? I don't even remember. Was it nine last weekend? I have I no idea. I'm so sleep deprived because... Our son is teething right now, so I <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I want to say it was I a later part. Hear about Adam 
so Adam Levine apparently had uh, a, an affair as his wife is currently pregnant. And not only did he have an affair, right? Because that's, you know, terrible. He wanted right. to name his future baby with his wife the name of his mistress. Her name is Sumner, and he's like, I want to name my future child of my actual wife your name. Can I do that? And, like, there's so much more that got released. It was, like, done over Instagram. Like, the DMs were just exposed. And I was just like, what? Like, I just don't... Like, I get, he must be, like, the horniest fucking dude in the world. I just don't understand. And also, like, the weirdness and the, like, the sheer gall. (laughs) Just the ick. I know. Ugh, it's just so extra that it never, like, it was already a couple of levels of, like, really fucked. But then to, like do it more i don't know i just i heard about that and i needed to talk about that um but yeah other than that yeah same that was m- pretty much my whole weekend but just hearing about adam levine i was just like damn i gotta mention it because that's yeah it's like one of those like i started watching some of those like scandalous tiktoks and like it's just like oh yeah like you didn't tell me that you had this 13-year-old pregnant and that she was also your sister and that also, like, that you stole from your grandmother to, like, bond this different crazy thing. It's just, like, levels of insanity. And you just keep on going further down the wormhole. And then after a while, it's just like, oh, yeah, five hours on TikTok just watching people's, like, dirty laundry for hours on end. Like, it is insane. I made it to that side of TikTok yet. I'm still on the recipe and cleaning side of TikTok. Good. Like, whenever, (laughs) sorry, whenever I first started, it was, my TikTok feed was nothing but Jordan Peterson and, like, thoughts. And just, like, outrageous thoughts. Like, this might as well be porn, but why? Like, why is this on TikTok? And then, like, I had to gradually, like, work my throat, like, my way through oh, the sludge. Oh, like, T-H-O-T. I yeah, thought... yeah. Oh, no, 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 like. I, I equate, I thought that you said Jordan Peterson and other. Oh, and other thoughts. thoughts. No, it was, like, like Jordan T-H-O-T. Peterson and, like, it was Jordan Peterson. It's still a little bit uh that Andrew guy, Andrew Tate. And it was just, like, girls, like, twerking. And it was just, like, nonstop. I couldn't get rid of it. And I was just like, why is it feeding me this? Like, I'm literally just, like, not doing anything. And then finally I started, because it's weird, because it's like I like cat stuff, because, like, cats are so cute to me now. I used to not fuck with cats at all. But now I'm like, oh, that's so fucking cute, that little fucking animal. But then I'm like, I don't want to trigger the algorithm to just feed me nothing but cat shit. So now I'm like, oh, I really want to fucking see that. But like, I can't, I can't invest it into yeah. my algorithm. I have to like move on. But yeah, I- I'm just here for the tea, the tea in any other kind of way. <laughs> but 
Enough of all that. Let's get into the MMA headlines with the MMA Minute. So first, Joe Rogan says that he has in his contract that if Dana White retires, he is gone. How do you feel about Joe and his commentating? And are you looking forward to when Joe leaves or are you going to miss Joe? Um, I mean, I don't think that he is, you know, a revolutionary color commentator or anything mm. like that. I think that he's, for me, I enjoy him mostly because of the nostalgia. That's gotcha. the value of Joe to me. Mm-hmm. I always think about his reactions to the big knockouts. I think about his reaction um, when Thug Rose beat Ioana mm-hmm. the first time at UFC 217, I think. Because his reactions to things like that, I feel like he really embodies what the majority of us are feeling, which mm-hmm. is just sheer you know, awe and wonder. Yeah. And he de- I don't think that he. Um, you know, on the broadcast when he's in the booth, I don't really think that he voices his full opinion mm-hmm. like he does you know, maybe on another media, yeah. <laughs> like his own podcast through Spotify. But I don't dislike him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that at this point in his career, I mean, he's been involved with UFC for over 30 years at this point. Yeah. I feel like he should be able to ride off into the sunset if he wants to. Yeah. And, you know, if he, if he wants to say, hey, Dana brought me in here, and when Dana leaves, I'm out, then that's, that's probably, I think, I, I think that a lot of people who were, or who would be, like, in Joe's position, I think they do the same thing. Yeah, that's fair. It's like the way of a, like, the end of an era. It's almost like paying respect to that. And also, like, why would you want to deal with anybody fucking else? Like, Dana's chill. Like, from what it seems, like, as much as I, like, rag on him, I rag on him because he's fucking rich and the company's fucking rich. So the fighters should be a little bit rich. Like, Kamaru making, like, like, half of a percent of what Canelo made this past weekend is absurd. Like, Kamaru... He deserves at least a million, bro. Come on. It's not even yeah. like you, a million's a lot, but compared to like a billion dollar company, that revenue has never been the most ever, like exceedingly breaks its own records. Like you can mm-hmm. break off a piece of that bread. But, right. it, but that aside, like Dana seems like super chill. And if you're in his good graces, like he will do whatever and he will just give you fucking. $500,000 or whatever the fuck he gave that Nelk boy. So, yeah, like... Yeah. Or whatever he gave Joe Pfeiffer to move into... Sorry, I'm jumping ahead yeah. a little bit. But, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, on with that, as you were alluding to, um, Joe Pfeiffer says, I'm just thankful. Shares his suicidal thoughts, his abusive past, and how he overcame all of this for the UFC win. He also went into further details. Um, but... So you were saying that he was uh, homeless and he's moving in with Dana or I didn't get that part of the story. Oh, no. So I think that at the post-fight press conference, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, sh- it must have been because Joe fought this past weekend. Yeah. He, after his fight, he, or maybe after the weigh-in, yeah. 
he tried to find Dana to talk gotcha. to him, you know, face to face, and was stopped by I I don't know if he was stopped by security necessarily, okay. but he was trying to trying to talk with Dana, and Nick was saying, no, you know, your fight is over, and Dana's doing something else, and yeah. you need to leave. Um, but Joe is explaining to the media that. He told Dana at his Contender Series win that he was about to become homeless. Oh, okay. And Dana made arrangements for him to be able to live somewhere for a year. Oh, And when Dana was asked about it last night at the post-fight press conference for Contender Series last night, Dana confirmed it and said, yep, he told me he was about to be homeless and... Mm -hmm that's not going to happen. And I do a lot of stuff like that that I just don't talk about. Yeah. So that's all I mean with the, um, you know, with somebody who's in like Dana's good graces like that, it's clear that he can be generous when he sees the need to be. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's where it's it's like weird. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, go for it. Well, no, it's just, like, weird, because then you look at somebody like Francis Kamaru, and, and mm-hmm. you look at what they're paid compared to Canelo or, mm-hmm. you know, who you know anybody who boxes, and it seems like it's so, um, there's, an, a, there's a huge imbalance there. Right, and that's where it's just, like, extremes. Like, I think he is such a chill person, but he's also a ruthless businessman. And that's yeah. that's the part that I don't fuck with on that level whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. it's it's such an oxymoron. Like, how can you be so kind to, like, Joe Piper or, like, Chris Barnett or, like, nameless other fighters that are going through stuff that he does take care of, but then, like, like bash people for not wanting to fight or, like, paying them, like, paying a fighter, like, in the leading organization in the world, a fighter making seven and seven sometimes, like that's a bit batshit. So yeah, for like a billion dollar organization, for a billion dollar organization, you can't even spare twenty thousand dollars, like as a guaranteed purse. So much. Yeah, they're they're building that PI down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. They. Aren't they looking at land in Africa? I heard something about Africa. I also know that they have it in China, the UFC PI over there. So they're building up. Like, all they need is something in Europe, like a main hub there. And they have, like, major local, like, and I don't know if they have one in Brazil, but that would be the only other place that they would need one. And they would have headquarters everywhere. So it's, it's insane to me that it's one of those... Like, what's going on? So, like what you were saying before with Francis, he still hasn't had a contract put in front of him. And this was around the time that we thought that he might be back from his knee surgery. Like, this is the beginning of that that recovery period. Yeah. I thought, I thought during International Fight Week, he and Dana had a meeting. Mm-hmm. I uh, I might be inventing that. They I might have had a talk. You know, just my own hopeful. <laughs> no, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think they had like a talk to kind of squash the beef and 
at least yeah. be like. And I remember Dana being asked about it, and yeah. he was really brief in his response. Yeah. Whoever asked him, he just said, "Yep, we met, mm-hmm. we talked." But I mean, that's a, that's a situation where Francis has been super, super vocal, mm-hmm. and, and um, some would say, I would say, critical mm-hmm. of the UFC, and I don't think Dana likes that. That's true, and whatever happened with Francis... I, I'm not saying that it's right on right. Dana's part. I'm just saying, like, I think that that's where the, you know, the kind of double... Sta- not double standard, but, like, the different treatment comes in. Right. Because I think that Joe Pfeiffer... Not not to say that he's sucked up, but he sees, you know, how big his opportunity mm-hmm. is. You yeah. know, compared to... What, compared to the resources and opportunities without the UFC. Oh, 100%. As Francis, he's been elevated now mm-hmm. to this point where he's got publicity and, ha- mm-hmm. and you know, has a lot of options, especially mm-hmm. boxing, and he isn't allowed to explore those. And yeah. we know about it because Francis himself or Francis's management tweets about it. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, that's where... It shouldn't be that crazy to, at this point with the landscape that it's currently in, for people to want to make a slice of a bigger pie outside of the UFC. Especially considering that Francis is probably losing out on millions of dollars and had been losing out on millions of dollars as a UFC champion and hopeful. And it again, it's the crazy, like like opposites of poles where he's such a kind dude. But then when, when it comes down to money, he's just like, he's Mr. Krabs. Like he just penny pinches and does not give a fuck. If it matters to you, if you feel some type of way about it, he'll be as kind to you and take care of your medical bill. If you get injured in the ring. But other than that, like pretty much you're living your own life and you kind of, and the one thing about fighter pay that, at the end of the day, besides this, the 17 year old that we'll talk about, you're an adult and you're signing the contract. If you felt some type of way about it, why didn't you just not sign it? Why didn't you field your offers? And that's the one thing that I at least fuck with, like the PFL, like as much as I like think it's fine, it's not great, it's okay. And Kayla Harrison is a joke, but like, for there to be organizations that are paying out like hundreds of thousands of dollars to like a Shane Burgos, like that is the best opportunity that some of these guys are going to make like, like retirement money, like at least like a little bit of generational wealth to secure. Like, Hey, you're going to, your brain is going to be jello in like 30 years because of the day your body's going to be broken. So at least you have a little bit of a cushion and you don't have to worry about, life so much afterwards like at yeah. least and at least a part-time job when you're 45 and can't fight anymore yeah like jeff neal jeff neal like a couple of years ago had a part-time job like as a ranked like contender in the ufc he had a part-time job that he was keeping by because he wasn't getting fights and that's the only way you get paid so if nobody fights you for a year and some change like right that's your income for a year and some change. <laughs> you better start filling out some job applications after. <laughs> for real, though. Um, 
the only one that will be immortalized this past weekend after all the cuts, Gregory Rodriguez. Oh. Did you see it? Yes. <coughs> Did you see the artery? Yes. I ah. saw the second one. I saw the one that was covered oh. like, because I saw it so many times that I went through like waves. Like I'm one for blood and like fucked up shit in the ring because it's so adrenaline filled and it's so just like, like it's just so entertaining. And I'm just like, that was such a amazing whatever that caused that, that after once the damage is kind of like the dust is kind of settled and it's like a clinical thing. I'm just like, not about it. Like, I don't want to see a surgery. And that, like, that motherfucker's face was just falling off. Straight up just, like, from, like, here to, like... And Nina still hasn't seen, like, the full uncensored one. But I showed her the one that was sewn up. And it's just a straight up unibrow underneath both brows. Underneath. And also up. So he has, like, a cross on his like face and so he's like avatar now yeah straight up <laughs> the avatar and the as much as i like love the fight and everything gregory rodriguez that scar tissue is there for life now and it's dead for center ever. in the middle of your face and underneath both eyelids oh my like that's the first thing i think of as soon as i see a gnarly cut it's like What's the scar tissue going to be like for the remainder of your career with that? Sonya Dong, which we'll get to later. I mean, massive cut. That's going to be crazy. Um, moving on from that. So we'll talk about the 17-year-old from Dana White's Contender Series. Um, Jose Rosales Jr., I think? Uh, Rosas. Rosas. Um, yeah. I'm not racist. I'm Mexican. I, I just didn't know his name. I got it close. I, I was just short like two letters. But um, what did you think about his performance? Honestly, I think he did really, really well. The entire day, I was almost anxious about it because I thought that it was just going to be awful. I thought that his opponent was going to, you know, just embarrass him, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that he was just going to get banked. But... I think there was a moment in the second or third round where they were grappling again, mm-hmm. and his opponent um, finally, you know, improved his position and mm-hmm. got Rosa's back. And he just wasn't—he wasn't doing anything. Yeah, like he was literally just laying there, mm-hmm. and then lost the position again. Yeah. So I was thinking, okay, like the seventeen-year-old is legit. Yeah. Like I don't, I I know that he trains in Vegas. At um, the name escapes me. Forgot. I don't, I don't know what gym he trains I, out of. I I forget, but I know that he trains with people who currently fight, and and so I was thinking, okay, so maybe, you know, like maybe um they'll do a developmental contract yeah. for him because he fought really really well. Yeah. There, there wasn't. There wasn't a single round where I thought that it went to his opponent. Mm-hmm. I, I would have even scored um, one of the rounds, uh, maybe not a 10-8, but like a 
9.0. Yeah. You know, really, like, yeah. the, the like a 8.9, like, minimum. yeah, like, Right, right.
He certainly possible. looked the part. He certainly looked it. Yeah. But definitely. But and you're right. Uh, There's levels to it. No, my husband has been joking this whole week. Um, you know the the line from Bench Warmers, yeah. where they, they have that guy who's like handing his birth certificate. And he says, "I am 12. Yeah, <laughs> that's what my husband has been saying like this whole week like, about this kid. <laughs> but it's, but you're right. I think under those bright lights, under like in front of a crowd, you know. And you have this hype about you, and you're mouthy a little bit. You're saying, like, you want to be champion by yeah. 20. I'm sorry. MMA is just not what it used to be whenever John Jones won. Like, it's so yeah. completely different. The landscape has completely yeah. changed. Some of these guys are developing from, like, age 9 or 10. So, yeah, I just... And in bantamweight? Like... Right. I mean, you're saying that you would fight. 18 later this year, so Mm. in a little over two years, he's gonna be a bantamweight champion. Like, I'm sorry, but no, but no, like, just no. But (laughs) yeah, just like, but that those are the things that give me pause. It's like he is 17, like. And to have this big of a spotlight so early on, and if this crashes and burns, like, you did this to, like, a 17-year-old kid, you know? Like, I don't know. It's a little weird. I don't know. It's a little weird because that guy's not old enough. Like, like if it, you're a grown-ass man like Jorge Masvidal and you're bitching about an eight-fight contract that, like, you didn't think you got paid enough, like, sorry, you're an idiot. Why are you signing that crazy contract? But I digress. Moving on about idiots. Aspen Ladd misses weight. Fourth time. Third time the fights get canceled. Third time in a row she misses weight. Um, How do you feel about it? I mean, look. I'm a female. I get that hormones are mm-hmm. like... They play a role. There's mm-hmm. no way of getting around it. For sure. you're genetically female. That being said this is now multiple fights once she's made it to the UFC mm-hmm. that this has been an issue mm-hmm. I want to know and I don't even know if we have the answers to this but I want to know like who she trains with who she has as a registered dietitian mm-hmm. um, I want to know when the last time she did like blood work yeah. to figure out why this continues to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And if it's something hormonal, then after the first, mm-hmm. you know, weight meds, she should have taken four to six months off, yeah. gotten her, you know, gotten her blood tested, seen a registered dietitian, gotten her her body fat percentage down. Mm-hmm. Her, I don't I don't fully understand how the weight cut works because I've never like mm-hmm. researched uh, for my own purposes, but mm-hmm. I just know that it involves hydrating yourself. And if your electrolyte and your body is already depleted, like mm-hmm. going in, or isn't strong enough to, you know, to do that weight cut, mm-hmm. then why is it? I just wonder why it's happening multiple times in a row, mm-hmm. and why, or I mean, if 
that if the people around her have changed, I don't know about mm-hmm. it. But if they haven't, why not? Yeah. But I I think that um, in, in the post fight press conference from the contender series last night, Dana implied that she was going to be cut. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked her. Or somebody asked Dana, what do you do with her, referring mm-hmm. to Aspen? And he said, well, I don't know. And then he looked off, you know, to the side, kind of like he was mm-hmm. looking at Nick or so. You know how he kind of yeah. looks off to the side sometimes? Yeah, to asks, like the PA you know, or something. Yeah. Said or halfway, you know, like stuff like mm-hmm. that. Well, he was looking off to the side for a while and then looked back at the reporter and said, well... I do know, but there's a more appropriate time to have that conversation. Yeah. So I just think they probably have already decided mm-hmm. to cut her, which should have happened, you know, after the second witness, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. After the scary one where she was fainting and like shaking, yeah. shaking. that yes. one was the one that did it for me. I was just like, and I get it. Living with a woman, you see a woman's weight fluctuate crazy. However, the issue is one of those things where it's a select few and not every, like, not all of these women are having the same issue. And you're right. Like, at what point do you say, like, I'm moving up or I have to, like, really figure it out? Because you have so much time between fights that maybe you don't lift weights. Maybe you run a little bit more and you lean out a little bit. That's what I think happened with Hamzat. He like trains weight training all the time, which gives him that crazy strength and that crazy cardio. But because you have so much lean like muscle, you can't really cut that water weight. So that like 30 pound weight cut that you were used to now is like, oh, like I can't even cut four extra pounds. Like I was saying before, like during the weigh-in show, DC had said that he had spoken with Hamza on Wednesday and he was only 12 pounds over. So at that point, that was Wednesday. And then from Wednesday to the weigh-in, from what DC said on that show, which I rewinded and I reheard it, that's what he said. He had only lost four pounds between that period because he came in eight pounds over. So I'm yeah. thinking Hamzat was like probably 200 pounds and he had to cut 30 pounds. He thought he had it because he was young and he didn't. He cut like part of it and he didn't do it right. And then he that's why he was cramping and throwing up apparently from his coach. And it's like, but you didn't do it right. Like, why did you have that hubris about you to think that you could do 30 pounds the way you were doing it. Like just, you were going to power through it. So it's just your training has changed. Right. And that's where the sympathy kind of goes out the door when you see so many others make weight. And also like Sarah McMahon made weight and she's out possibly half of like one of her checks. She made her show money, but she doesn't even get a chance to get her win money. Like, you cost this person a paycheck. Like, because of your negligence. And Well, and I'm sorry, but... Oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Well, Sarah's um, show money, she probably has to put all of that, if not more than that, towards her camp. Right. So, 
Yep, that's it. That's oh, that's garbage. Yeah, so when I think about it like that, I'm like, yeah, no, like I'm sorry. This is the fourth time. This is like I can I can forgive one. I can make reasons with the second time, but the third time it's almost like it's you. You did this. You, right. Something is wrong with how you did this or however this occurred, but this is on you. And yeah. for her to have another chance after that Norma Dumont performance, I just don't, I don't see why you even, like, what's, what are you beholden to her? Like, why? Why? Like, there's so many others that were at least fun fighters, like Petch Correa. Like she was, she missed weight, but at least she was fun and she showed up and she fought crazy and got knocked out half the time. But like Aspen right. Lad doesn't even do anything. So it's, I can't <laughs> even, I can't even reason. Like if she was an amazing performer, like I get Dana's hypocrisy. Like Hamza at least brings eyes. So it's like, yeah, whatever. Like I won't talk shit about him, even though he missed eight pounds. Like in any yeah. other world, he, fucking loses his shit but for Hamza he's just like yes daddy what else can I do for you because he brings right. eyes and he is a performer Aspen didn't perform like on any level like on any level she did before no. a long 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 time ago but was she on the contender series is that how she got signed I don't even remember to be honest, I I don't know. But as soon as I saw it, I was just like, like, in the most practical, pragmatic way, this person needs to lose their job. Yeah. In in any other scenario, like you would you would just be you would have been written up the third time. Exactly. And now you that was your final warning and now this is your that's it like in any other job in any other job right. like you would have been let go like if you were like shit based on the job <laughs> like shit based on the job right. twice and then you couldn't, couldn't do your job multiple shifts in a row like straight up like I had, disrupted your co-workers disrupted the function of your co-workers and the company to the point where one of the co-workers doesn't get half of their money. Like, that's the thing that pisses right. me off the most, that Sarah McMahon missed out on possibly half of her money. And she doesn't get the shot to get that reward back. But speaking about Sarah McMahon, she says that she is looking into other avenues. Maybe she is not resigning because she fulfilled her last fight on her contract by weighing in. She is now technically a free agent. Um, if Sarah McMahon doesn't return to the UFC, where would you like to see her go? I honestly would really like to see her um, in PFL. Mm -hmm. I think that there's enough competition there for her to like kind of make back, make back some of the money that she has, you know, like lost here yeah. in this situation. But I would also, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if she stayed with the UFC and kind of leveraged this. Yeah, in her favor. For sure. Um, but I could see her somewhere like the PFL. I, I wouldn't say Bellator, but I feel like... <laughs> I feel like she's kind of too good for Bellator. 
I, That's I would fair. like to see her in a, in a promotion like CFL where she could do more, you know, she could do a bunch of different things. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe even one, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. I think that the potential fight between um, Kayla Harrison and Sarah McMahon, both as former Olympians, can be sold really, really well. And it bodes well... For the PFL saying like, hey, we're going to try to do pay-per-view. We're going to try to, because what sells more than at least two Olympians that are kind of on fair ground? And Sarah McMahon, I think, gets Kayla Harrison. I get that she's at 155 and she's a big woman. But Sarah McMahon has that experience that Kayla Harrison is fighting. She's fighting people that are like, I think her last opponent was like two and two or something. Or one of her former opponents. Like it was something crazy. It was just like, why are we, like, I'm sorry, you just can't compare yourself to Cyborg when you have that caliber of an opponent. As much as you talk right. good and as much as you're very, like, your your performances are really, again, like, your performances are good because a lot of these girls, this is like the third professional fight. Like, you can't, it's not the same level as Chris Cyborg defending her belt against Amanda Nunez. Like, it's not... Right. the same level whatsoever you're impressive but yeah no i think i think that she's marketable because her performances like alone mm. are super impressive but that's because the majority of people who are you know just going to see the clip as mm-hmm. they're scrolling you know through their news feed or whatever and that's yeah. how they learn their name they're not really going to research her opponents mm-hmm. um my dad when he like, you know, when he looks somebody up, he's going to look at the amount of wins that they mm. have and, and, you know, stuff like that. I mm. I don't really think that a lot of people, like a lot of the more casual viewers are mm. going to look at Kayla's opponents and see what their records are like. Mm. They're just going to look at Kayla, you know, beating the crap out of them and say, oh, wow, she's so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, that's completely <laughs> she fair. she well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that the the fight between her and Sarah markets itself. Mm-hmm. You know, former former UFC, you know, former ranked UFC contender and yeah. Olympian Sarah comes to like challenge. You know, Kayla kind of kind of on Kayla's home turf a little yeah. bit too. So so that's also got the UFC fans' eyes on it because mm-hmm. she's you know she and Clarissa Shields I feel like are always brought up. Clarissa, I feel like that is the best, like, she's doing it the best possible way. She's doing her own thing. She's learning on the side. She's getting appropriate matches. And that first, like, I think it was her first fight when she was fighting somebody that was like a brown belt in jujitsu. I was like thoroughly impressed. Like, she was in very compromised positions and she worked herself out of those positions. And as a, like, a one and no professional, like, her hands looked amazing because of her boxing. So she has some right. like a crazy, crazy strength. And then she just has to develop everything else, which she's an athletic person, like given her, you know, Olympic status. So I don't like one of those, those kind of storylines, like you can force yourself to kind of write these lines where you see a lot of these dudes, maybe seeing PFL as a potential option. Um, right. 
Eddie Alvarez, speaking of one and potential options, he just um, said, peace out. He's gone. He is a free agent now. I don't know where he goes. I think he does bare knuckle boxing and he. I was just about to say that. I think that that is the one, you know, the one arena that he hasn't stepped into. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying that Paige Van Zandt needs to retire like yeah. soon. Mm-hmm. But I, I just kind of think that that is a promotion where you go, you know, it's newer mm-hmm. and it's, still establishing itself and it's a little bit uh, you know the UFC kind of has a, a reputation as a rough and tumble sport but bare knuckle <laughs> even more so so yeah. like it's even more of a niche audience mm-hmm. and I could see Eddie I, I could see Eddie very comfortably mm-hmm. moving there yeah. and, and taking all of the all of the dedicated Eddie stands with him and mm-hmm. I don't think that the promoters over there would mind it Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we already have a bunch of former UFC, and mm -hmm. isn't Mike Perry one of the champions right now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that they would would say, come on home, Eddie. I think they would take very good care of him. Yeah. And that's the other thing is in a a promotion like that, with the the rules being the way that they are, Mm. you have to know, I mean, you have to think, at least I think, that Eddie kind of realizes that he's in the twilight of his career and he's mm-hmm. just doing what he wants to do it seems like that to me anyways so i think that if he wants to go on and you know do do a couple of a couple of matches with them and and put on a gore talent show and then retire then that would be awesome <laughs> yeah i I think it's a perfect fit, to be honest. Like, it makes sense. It's one of those, like, when Mike Perry, like, went over there, it was just like, it makes fucking sense. Like, these yeah. guys are different. <laughs> like, and a potential fight like that, like, he could really be selling himself to bare knuckle boxing. Like, man, you have Mike Perry here. He just won over Michael Venom Page. I'm just coming out of one, and I was fighting for the championship over there. Like, if you throw me a bag, I'm more than willing to be in the ring for a little bit for you guys. And it makes sense. So, but apart from, like, bare-knuckle boxing, though, like, I don't think the PFL is going to throw a bag at him. I don't think the PFL would really, after some of the duds that have come, like, Sergio Pettis is going to be out. He had to have surgery on both of his hands and the bag that they gave him. Yeah. And, I mean, Rory McDonald and... Like, just all the other PFL, like, former Bellator or UFC fighters that they put a bag on just didn't really produce the kind of results that they would have wanted. So, I just don't think that they would throw the money that Eddie is probably wanting his way to get his services. Um, Well, and with their, like, their tournament style, Mm -hmm. I don't think that Eddie... I mean, just at his age at this point, like, I don't yeah. think that that appeals to him. Mm-hmm. At, I mean, at my, at, at like, even at my age, that doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> I'm younger than him. <laughs> you know, like, having yeah. to fight somebody and beat them and then mm-hmm. fight somebody else. Like, I, and I you have to I do it, like, that. yeah, you have to do it in a year. Like, yeah. but that's where, I don't know. Uh, 
wherever he goes, I hope he gets a bag. Hopefully he has the sense of knowing when is when. And it's not like Marlon Marias who just signed with the PFL. Like that, whenever I saw that, I was like a little hurt by that. Because like Marlon should have stayed retired. Like, I'm sorry, just the chin is gone. It's one of those yeah. like, it, you have nothing to do with it. You just lost it along the way and you're, it's gone. That's bye-bye. Yeah. And the PFL and has like, some gnarly motherfuckers. Right. And that, the, the chin deterioration, that happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. You like, know? So it's not like it's anything to be ashamed of. Yeah. But I get that, I mean, some of these guys, I feel like they have um, management, maybe, that gets in their ear a little mm-hmm. bit and says, oh, no, you could totally, you could totally do that. For sure. Of course you could, you know? Yeah. And the, and I think that, and not that, like, all management is like that, mm-hmm. but I think that they also see the potential for a little bit of commission mm-hmm. and say, oh, yeah, of course I'll, you know, I'll pass this information mm-hmm. along to him. For and sure. Maybe, I think, like, Tony is a prime example of it. He's not maybe, uh-huh. maybe it's his management, but I think more of it is just his loyalism to the UFC. And it's that false sense of like, I'm the man, but it's like, no, you're not the man when you're taking a completely different opponent up a weight class. You're not the man. Like you got to be realistic yeah. at some point, like until you are, until you actually give yourself an, an actual chance, like you're going to lose, you're going to lose. Like you've been losing. You can't be taking these crazy risks just to appease your manliness, you know? And that's where I think a lot of these fighters do have that kind of a complex where they have to be the biggest dog in the room. Like that's the most impressive thing to me about DC is that he could kill Sean O'Malley at any point. Yet he decides to have a civil conversation and just be like, no, no, like, that's wrong. Like, come on. Like, what are you talking about? Where he could just like backhand Sean O'Malley in front of his like whole family and Sean O'Malley could do nothing. Sean O'Malley at any point could, right. Like DC will eat you. So probably fall over. Yeah. Right. So it's, that's what is the most impressive thing about DC. But anyway, moving on from the headlines, we did have Bryce Mitchell and Mosvar Evolev. But we've gone into that a little too long. So first, the recent win of Corey Sanhagen is insane because on paper you can make the case and the judges made the case that it was a tied fight going into the fifth. If the doctor would have let it go, which by the way, what a fucking G of a doctor that fucking whole fight card. Please, fucking his services all the fucking time. Please, please, please. Um, if it wasn't for him, though, like, this fight might have been going Yadong's way. Now, who do you have after Yadong, though, face Corey? Would you have the grappler, I'm sorry, the grappler Marab or Cheeto Vera? Like, what is that fight that you want for Christmas? Because that's what he's asking. So, uh, I want Corey Cheeto. Mm-hmm. And I want that filthy little cockroach bitch, Henry Cejudo, to fight Marab. <laughs> That's what I want. 
mean, I I had it three one Corey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I had it too. I did I did see how like it the second round could have been like or was it I for, I'm forgetting how but I could see how the card could have been two two going into the fifth. There were some fairly yeah. close moments where Corey Sanhagen wasn't landing any takedowns, even though I thought his game plan was amazing. Just even right. threatening the shoot just opens up the possibility of something else. It's just like a play action pass. You've got to show a little something to get a reaction to do something different. That's all you got to do. Just shake it up a little bit. Even though it was amazing, it wasn't effective. And it, you know, he was like zero and what, 12 into the first takedown that he landed. Something, yeah. So, like, I always, whenever I'm like judging, I'm always like, yeah, it, for me, it's a 3 1. But for a judge that is sitting ringside with like not an actual monitor, like, it's tough to tell. And especially in those weird grappling situations where it's in a corner, like, you don't know anything and you only have the headphones to like keep all the noise out. So, like, you're oh, so deprived yeah. of like an actual viewing experience. That I'm like, okay, well, like if it's if you're a little stupid, like how do you score it then? Like if you if you think that like if you don't know the rules, it's uh fucking duration, damage, and dominance. So if you don't use that criteria, what do you use? Like just looking better, right? So what looked better? Right. Not really any like nobody looked better than the other. So. Maybe you score it the other way. Maybe yeah, you don't agree with me there. So that's where I'm like, okay, like if I wasn't so well informed, maybe like if I take a little bit off, maybe it was a closer round. Like if you look at it the other way, like play devil's advocate, like it's close enough. Like maybe it's not so decisive. And that's where I think like Corey Sanhagen, he delivers so much damage that because he's delivering that succinct damage it's like what it's like cheeto like he only needs to hit you like 30 times to your 400 but those 30 times he's throwing elbows he's throwing knees he's throwing nasty shit all the time and they're both so like pointy and yeah. sharp and, you know like yeah it's just very little body fat on mm. them and ugh. yeah for whatever the pay-per-view is in december sign me the fuck up put that motherfucker in the like that if they weren't a championship fight that could very well had like a pay-per-view like in any other reality where like one of them is champion like that just sounds amazing to me Corey Sanhagen versus Cheeto Vera for a possible number one contenders match like that should be a main event actually now that I'm like I want it to be on a pay-per-view because it would be insane and both of them deserve it but I also want the motherfucker to be five rounds. So, yeah. But in that potential matchup, who do you have? Cheeto. Why do you say Cheeto? Um. So I think that Corey has looked a little bit. I don't want to use the word hesitant mm-hmm. because that doesn't, that seems like it's too harsh against Corey. I don't, I don't want to describe him as hesitant, but I would describe him as slower than Cheeto. Like calculated? So I think, 
Yeah, like mm. a little bit too patient, mm. where I think that Cheeto would bulldog him a little bit, mm. to be honest. Um, and I think that, and I mean, as far as the grappling, mm. it's a non factor. Yeah. Unless Corey Sanhagen decides to pull a Habib like he did in this last fight. Right, right. <laughs> Which I don't. I, I don't really see happening, mm-hmm. um, especially against Cheeto, like mm-hmm. because then you would be in extremely close quarters with him, and he would right. elbow you to death, basically. So, and that's also based on their most recent performances, mm-hmm. where Cheeto has looked really, really good, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and Corey has looked good, but not like I yeah. think that um, he needs. Maybe, uh, like, well, Cheeto would be a good matchup for him after mm-hmm. this. I think that he could use another tune-up fight. Yeah. But then maybe that would take him maybe out of the title conversation a little mm-hmm. bit or put him a little bit down, you know, the line where, you know, because he doesn't want to <laughs> – I would hate for him to say anything that could be interpreted by Dana as um, – I don't want to fight. Right, mm-hmm. where Marab blatantly said that he didn't even want to be a champion. Yeah. So that's the other reason I think that um, Marab is going to get fed to Henry mm-hmm. because I think that the UFC brass, want, you know, wants the attention that Henry has on him to come back to the UFC. I think for sure that they, you know, they they see the the marketability behind that, and mm-hmm. and they they would probably take advantage. Um, but I think, and, and that's the other thing is like, I would almost say, um, I would almost say Corey should fight, uh, Marab next, mm. but Marab isn't even a serious, I mean, he's basically said himself that he's not a serious title contender. Mm. So I don't know what that would really do for for Sanhagen. Right. I think, yeah, I mean, the move, I think, is as, like, it has to be Cheeto. It has to be. And you're right. The best matchup that Henry can possibly have on his return back, like, besides somebody high level, like, you gotta, if you're feeling the same way about him, kind of punish him a little bit and throw him to Marab. Like, Uh like, make him show his wrestling and everything else, and it's a tough matchup that nobody's gonna have eyes on, so he's gonna have to sell. So, yeah, put that all on him and see how he does and then feed him appropriately. If he wins, then yeah. fine. If he doesn't, then maybe the yeah. days are numbered because there's nothing but fucking killers at 135. I I still yeah. love 135. I'm so fond of it because it's just like little dudes that just are vicious, like little Tasmanian devils that are insane, that will knock you yeah. out, like completely start you if you look at them the wrong way. Like it's... I, I love it. I love it. Fucking Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, like even Aljamain Sterling, like yeah, Aljo lame, but I, you know, like he wins. He fucking wins, and he's he seems right. like a decent person. So like, fuck it. Like his performances, his performance against Piotr Jan, nobody expected that, and good on him to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just a fan of every, even even uh, Dillashaw. Like I, I hate him. But, fuck, do I respect him. Like, 
to 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 want it so fucking bad to do such a vile thing like in the sport of like where you're seen now as a rat like forever and always you've tainted your legacy it is what it is you've just tainted it it doesn't matter if you're clean for the rest of your life you weren't at that one time it's just like you you fucking gambled so hard like you really really fucking put your money where, where just to the possibility to lose your career and your legacy to win it's almost like like in the stupid part of my mind like courageous like wow you really fucking did it like you fucking son of a bitch you fucking went for it you failed and fuck you but you fucking went for it and i respect like fuck it like you you jumped off the cliff and you died but you fucking jumped off the cliff like a fucking crazy ass hey i gotta i'll never do that like it, there's levels to the competitiveness and I got to respect it just a little bit. I, I don't fuck with them, but I respect it though. Like, yeah. I don't I know. I can see what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of Bantamweights and how gnarly it is, Jose Aldo retires after an 18 year career, I believe, uh, started back in 2014, former WEC champion, former, uh, UFC featherweight champion fought the likes of Chad Mendes, Frankie Edgar, uh, Max Holloway twice. Did lose, but fucking he fought Max Holloway. Did get knocked out by Conor McGregor. But uh, what was your fondest memory of Jose Aldo? Um, gosh, probably the Chad Mendes win. That was uh, really fucking good. Just incredible. Mm-hmm. His his first fight that I ever saw him on, it was I I think GSP was headlining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might mm-hmm. be wrong, but it was I mean it was like early. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first time I don't even remember who he was fighting, but I remember watching the fight and hearing you know during the color commentary that he was from the what was the promotion that he was fighting at before the W. Uh, the WEC? Yeah, WEC. Yeah. So, um, I went after that fight and watched some of his WEC fights. Mm-hmm. And just watching, like, the, the progression and how his skills improved yeah. each and every time, mm-hmm. that was incredible to watch. But then I got, you know, on Fight Pass, mm-hmm. they have the playlist. So, you select yeah. a fighter and it'll just play all of their fights. Um, and the, Jose's like the catalog and fight pass the WEC was included. Mm-hmm. When I whenever I would get to the Chad Mendes fight, I would have to watch it like two or three times <laughs> just because it's so impressive. Yeah. Um, and I do. I mean, I know that the Connor loss is sad. It's like tough for me to watch a little bit because Connor is so deranged and like <laughs> creepy, weird yeah. during all of that, like all of those press conferences yeah. and all of the stuff that he's saying to Jose in, mm-hmm. in Portuguese and like, you know, saying I'm going to kill you <laughs> and stuff in Portuguese. That was... That's just, that's just weird. Yeah. Um, but seeing, seeing how much it meant to Aldo, mm-hmm. that fight, you know, at that fight, I almost kind of valued that side of it too. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, lo- I love watching him just spank people, just mow through mm-hmm. people. <laughs> 
um, and kick them to death. <laughs> but I, I liked seeing the, you know, the softer, like kind of more vulnerable side of him during the Connor fight. Yeah. How about yours? There's, for me, even though he has like, like Uriah Faber, like the, like how he treated Uriah Faber. Like, it was so crazy. Like, I remember watching it whenever I was in, like, uh, middle school or just, like, early high school. And Dariah Faber at that point was, like, the shit. And Jose Aldo just, like, the way he made his fucking leg look like an eggplant, it was insane. And, but to me, my favorite one was Jeremy Stevens. It, it wasn't so much the the actual performance it was like what meant what it meant to him because this was after he was like losing and he was like we were all just doubting him and just like maybe this is the moment that jose calls it quits and then he goes out there and he puts out a very game jeremy style i don't fuck with jeremy stevens but he's game and he puts him out like that i it just meant so much to him and his career and it real light like it just it felt so good. It was one of those, one of those very few moments in MMA where it's just like, fuck, thank you. Like, thank you. And that to me is my favorite Jose Aldo performance. Cause if like, you don't know the backstory and you don't know anything else, maybe it's a little bit different, but like, at least to me in my mind's eye, like that's how I remember it. So it's that like, that welcome feeling of like, Oh, like, damn, that feels fucking good. Just knowing that he got that shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I also remember, like, in part with that, my other favorite moment, this was before I really fucked with Jose like that. I had seen his performances, but I didn't really, like, care about Bantamweight back then. But after the Connor fight, I remember that somebody had bet, like, a lot of money, and they were just, like, face down in their, like, hoagie at the uh, Twin Peaks that we were at watching the fight. He was just, like, like... Like, like crying, but like his face was in his fucking food. Like I was just like, dude, that guy probably fucking bet his mortgage. Yeah, like he put money, like, and just the, and that's one of the fights where it is different watching the fights live with like a group of people and like watching them by yourselves. It's just like the fights with the apex and like a live crowd. It's just a little different. There's a little bit extra flavor to it. But yeah. um, speaking of spicy and flavor, Jose Aldo, now retired from MMA, is now retired just like Habib. In your opinion, do you have Aldo or Habib one or th- who, who's, who's, who's over who? I have an opinion. I feel like we have the same opinion, but there's some crazy people out there, my brother being included. Oh, no. He's the one that's been commenting well, on that one post calling somebody a sourpuss. <laughs> well, no offense to your brother, but he's Go ahead, wrong. he's an idiot. I love him. Uh, yeah. He's my well, idiot. I have but... Aldo ranked, yeah, no, I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I have a few of those in my life, too. <laughs> uh, there, there are some, some of my, uh, you know, some of my family members really really like Connor and mm-hmm. thinks that you know <laughs> think that he deserves to walk right back into a title shot and I just have to agree to disagree. <laughs> he doesn't deserve um, it. 
But no, right. But right. if Charlie Olives gets it done in Saudi Arabia, I don't feel so Me bad neither. anymore if he gets that Connor fight. Me neither. Me neither. I think he deserves to get paid mm-hmm. if he wins over over Mahachev. Like, sorry, I, I just had to say it like that's oh, the no, only way no. that it would be. Like, I could stomach another Connor fighting for the title. Like, yeah. if he faces fucking Charles Oliveira, which is gonna ch- fucking choke the fucking shit yeah. out of, like, oh my god, I just can't wait. Uh, uh, that just got me fucking. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, we'll I interrupted. Add, we'll have to add that to our Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's definitely going on mine. Um, no, but I have Aldo ranked way above Habib, and maybe. I'm biased because I watched Aldo for a lot longer than I watched Habib. Um, with Habib, I got very, very tired of the Tony storyline. Mm-hmm. Like the fight just, I just, I got, you know, so disappointed over and over again yeah. that I tried to just not, um, tried to just not think about it. And mm-hmm. I paid less attention to that eight class, you know? For sure. And plus that was when a lot of stuff was going on, uh, you know, a lot of, Stuff was going on with Connor too mm-hmm. that I just didn't really want to pay attention to. Right. Um, so I have much, I, I have a greater amount of like fond memories of Aldo, mm-hmm. and I enjoy watching his fights a lot more. Right. Um, so like when whenever somebody brings up Habib as being the goat, I always think, but what about Al Iaquinta? Mm-hmm. Yep. How can you possibly say? that the GOAT mm-hmm. is unable to finish Al was ranked where in the division at that time? I think he might have been like 7 12? or 9, maybe 12. Okay. Like, he was definitely on the yeah. lower part of either the right. top 10 I, or the high 15s, yeah. Yeah, and I remember that it was something to do with the commission, and they said that the other opponent that the UFC had picked wasn't ranked high enough or mm-hmm. whatever. But I I just can't imagine, and maybe, and, it, and it's not even really like that division at that time was unfairly stacked against mm-hmm. Habib. Like, if you're the GOAT, like Kamaru, or like, you know, that other cockroach bitch, John Jones. <laughs> uh, but, like, I mean, like, just as a person, not mm-hmm. as a fighter. Yeah. Um, then you can have a, a super, super stacked division, and there are going to be a lot more finishes Mm -hmm. and a lot more. um, I I think that something that plays into the GOAT conversation is the attention, like the positive attention that they're able to bring to the sport. And while Habib has done that, I think that Aldo captured more people over a greater amount of time, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's why for me... And the other thing is, too, is just the, the strength of Aldo's resume. Mm-hmm. You look at his his opponents and who he, you know, how how he won the title, who he defended his title against, mm-hmm. and after his losses, who he came back and beat. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I look at his opponent's list, and I look at their win-loss record, and I look at Embiid's opponents, and I'm kind of like... Yeah. Maybe you're the goat of Sambo, Habib. Yeah. Like maybe you're the goat of something else, <laughs> but not. <laughs> you're yeah. you're not like the golden duck of the UFC. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I would think that Aldo 
where Kamaru would be in that yeah in that conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. Strength of schedule for sure. I mean, the first sixteen opponents for Habib were almost at a like winning percentage of five hundred, which is insane for professional sports. Where the first sixteen opponents for Jose Aldo had a record of like a hundred and seventeen to like thirty something. So it's okay. it's way way different. I think really when it comes down to like goat conversations and the crazy hypothetical that it is, you got to look at accolades and having eleven title fights versus four title wins. It's he almost has three times as many title wins than Habib. It's like you gotta pay respect to that, and also that yeah. he did what he did going down a weight class. Like, it's just, it's just levels where I mean, I look at Aldo and I'm like, man, top three, maybe like top, easily top five, top three all time. Habib, I just don't know. You're right. Like, who retires in their prime? Like, besides the thing with his father, which is unfortunate. It's just like. Right. You couldn't even be, you couldn't do 30. You only defended your belt three times. And one of those, like, really, it shouldn't have happened. Like, the Conor fight shouldn't have really happened. Dustin Poirier was fine, but, like, it's just, there's too much stuff there for the argument to be like, oh, well, he kind of slid downhill at the end. Like, he didn't get beat for, like, eight or nine years. Like, almost a fucking decade. Like, what? Fighting the elite of the elite. My brother was like, well, Habib never lost. And it's like, yeah, but he wasn't fighting the elite of the elite. Like, if you fuck up, if you fight Max Holloway, you're probably going to lose. Like, if you fight Alexander Volkanovsky, you might lose. Like, if you fight Ally Kente and you can't finish him, when he showed up on a day's notice and you had a full camp, like, the narrative that, oh, I wanted the experience, like, no, show out and show me why you're a champion. Like, why are you playing with your food? I don't buy it. That's that's disparaging to your opponent. That's already, like, doing you the favor. Like, yeah, I see where the argument can be made. I just think that the argument is a lot stronger for Aldo. I think that if Javi had actually continued, who knows? He might find that motherfucker that is like a Leon Edwards that fucking head kicks him. And it doesn't matter if he wins four fucking rounds. It's game over. So we'll never know that with Habib. We found out with Aldo. And yeah, I just think that his resume just looks a lot better. Like if there was a job for a fighter, I'm hiring Aldo versus Habib. Agreed. So yeah. Every day. Every time. Mm -hmm. Every time. Also, my favorite memory was figuring out why he got the scar. And whenever I found out that he fell as a baby, like on a barbecue, I, I'm evil, but I fucking died laughing. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is how this, I was the whole time. I was just like, this motherfucker killed somebody in like a favela with like doing some drugs at age 12. Yeah. And it's like, no, he just That's fell right. in a barbecue. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? That is the craziest. That's so fucked up. Imagine just, ah, uh, so fucked up. But that is it for this week's show. Thank you, Caroline, for showing up. We finally got it done Thank with all the technical so, deals. So <laughs> yes, yes, we won. We won um, against the robots. <laughs> thank you guys for joining us so, if you're listening. So Thank you. For sure. Thank you.
Um, if you don't know how to hit us up, if you're on Instagram, no.name.mma show, on uh, Twitter at no.name.mma1, uh, snail mail, no name MMA show at gmail.com. Caroline, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to show uh, love to anything no. else? I'll Anonymous. <laughs> they'll probably track me down <laughs> if they look hard enough. <laughs> Sounds if they good. Talk your page, they'll probably find me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, well, that is it. Talk at you guys next week. And as always, invest in your mental health. And fuck you, John Jones. Later. Fuck you, John Jones. <laughs> Thank you. That's it.